Hello and welcome to the Life Teacher Podcast. My name is Hector Suko and here with me today is Bridget McGowan. Have you ever experienced an energy that made you move to the edge of your seat or that made you stand on your feet? What about an excitement that stayed with you and had you talking about it long after an event ended? That is the best way to describe Bridget McGowan, an award-winning author, an award-winning publisher, and an award-winning international professional speaker who is known to be both comical and memorable. She will not only energize you, but she will inspire you to not let anyone or anything get in the way of you being the most unforgettable person in the room. Today, Bridget is here to share with you lessons she's learned about what it takes to show up and show out in work and in life. Hello, Bridget. How are you? I am well. How are you, Hector? I'm doing excellent. Thank you once again for coming on to my podcast. And the first question is the same for all of my guests. Tell us, who is Bridget McGowan? You know, I should have prepared a perfect answer for this, being a professional speaker. It's that question that you always feel uncomfortable answering. I don't know. We don't like talking about ourselves. And you did such a fantastic job introducing me. But... I, I am an original Texan, if you will. I'm originally from the Lone Star State. I live in Arizona now with my family. Love beautiful sunsets, and this is the place to be for that. I've been a professional speaker since 2001. I'm also a publisher, and I just believe in everybody owning their zone of genius and just showing up and rocking it out. That, that's me, just a girl from Texas who drives with no shoes on and who, <laughs> who you have to strap on your seatbelt because you never know what she may or may not say. And I just love bringing out the absolute best in other people and encouraging them to show up as the best versions of themselves. Thank you for that answer. So. You know, you say professional speaker, and we all know that professional speaker is not a major in college. Can you tell us the road that led you from, let's say, high school or college to being a professional speaker? Ah, I have never had that question asked quite that way. And it was perfectly, perfectly posed because you're right what do you major in in college to all of a sudden land on that title of professional speaker? So a quick vocabulary lesson, and then I truly will answer your question. So what is the difference between a public speaker and a professional speaker? Because we've all heard of a public speaker before. And here is the difference. A professional speaker does the exact same thing as a public speaker the difference is a professional speaker gets paid to do that public speaking. So there wasn't any particular major in college. So I can't necessarily credit being a professional speaker with saying, oh, it was because I was XYZ major. Now, when I tell you when I got my bachelor's degree and you'll say, oh, Bridget, come on, there's the connection. No, it's not. My bachelor's degree is in communication. But that was not what sparked the professional speaker in me. I was going to be on the evening news. 6 p.m., I was going to zap myself into your living room and tell you all the latest happenings. 
around town. That was the original goal. But I would say that the professional speaker life started well before college, well before high school. It actually started in a really small town outside of Livingston, Texas. Now, Livingston, Texas has a population of just over 5,000 people. I lived outside of Livingston in an even smaller community. And I was the church school secretary. And Hector, every Sunday, I had to give up, get up and give my report. Now, there were only a handful of people at church, but I felt so proud delivering that report of what was the Sunday school topic, what was the lesson, the scripture, the number of people in attendance, and the amount of collection we collected or the amount of money we collected in the collection that day. And it was only probably a 20-second report. But it was, when I truly think about it, it was the start to this professional speaker life. And I went on and graduated college, got a master's degree, even went to law school for a little while. And as I was trying to find myself, I started teaching on the university level and at a local community college. In fact, I knew nothing about teaching. I started going to conferences. And as I'm attending these conferences, I'm attending these sessions and I'm sitting in the audience, looking at these presenters and listening to them thinking, I can do that. I can do better than that. And so as I'm building my understanding of teaching and adding to my teacher toolkit, and I still go to the workshops and the symposia and the conferences and attend other people's sessions, I started submitting my own proposals to speak at these conferences. And man, oh man, I was hooked. I could not wait for the call for proposals from XYZ Conference. And there was just a handful of them that were my favorites. And I was always making sure that I was not only attending these professional development events and learning for myself and for my students and growing, but also sharing with other educators what I'd learned and giving them faculty development tools. So I, and there you have it, uh, church school around the age of 10, 12 or so as church school secretary and on to college and, and on to teaching and here I am. That's great. So you're there in the audience and you look up and say, I can do that or I can do better than that. That's crazy because, you know, as a teacher in fifth grade, I looked at my teacher up in front of the classroom and I said to myself, I can do that. I didn't say I can do better than my fifth grade teacher, <laughs> but I did say, hey, I can do that. And that thought stayed yes, with did. me. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, honestly, honest to God, I did not think oh, I can do better than her. No, uh, I just said, I can do that one day. And that thought stayed with me. And that's why I chose education when it came time to pick a major in college. All right, Bridget, let's move on. And I was watching your motivational speaking video and you came up with a great acronym that stood for GRIT. So please tell us what is the G, the R, the I, and T in GRIT? Oh my goodness, I remember doing that presentation a long time ago. I can't even remember exactly what the topic was. Usually I'm speaking on communication skills or uh, T 
teamwork or presentation skills. So I remember, I believe this one was about how these two teams needed to come together. And so, and, and work on their communication skills. And I remember that that acronym, the G stood for generosity, the R stood for respect, the I stood for integrity, and I'm going to leave you hanging on the T for now. As you listen to the G, the R, and the I, I want you to guess what you think the T might be. So when you communicate with grit and you communicate with generosity, it's exactly as it sounds. Don't hold back on information, but be generous with it. It's not about knowledge giving you power, but the thing is, if you have knowledge and you don't give that knowledge or that information to others as, as needed, then there's not really a lot of power in that, Hector. Right. This, I mean, whoa, you're holding all of this to your to yourself. You're keeping it close to the vest. What, what kind of power is that? I mean, that's great for you. But what about the rest of the team? So communicate with generosity. Don't hold back. Don't think that, oh, if I share this with someone else, then they're going to get ahead or what have you. No, this is all about a team effort. And then the R is communicating with respect, just really engaging with others the way that you'd want them to engage with you, to have, have a tone and a tenor and an attitude and just an energy around your messaging, whether it's spoken, whether it's written, whether it's just audio, right? And a tone, a tenor, and an attitude that makes people respect you and respect your message. And then the I is integrity. Don't have people second guessing. Ah, can I trust what Hector says? Or uh, do I need to get a second source? Can I trust what Bridget sends to me? Or do I need to go Google that? Have some integrity and be ready to back up what you say with credible sources or with some kind of evidence, with some sort of, well, it doesn't have to be research all the time. Just be ready to stand by what you say. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Now, Hector, I'm putting you on the spot. Based on generosity, respect, and integrity, what do you think that T might stand for? I'm going with the first thing that came up to mind, and it's transformation. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Let's see. I'm going to try to work that in and make it transformation. <laughs> because it's funny you should say that. I have this little quote that I sometimes put in, in memes and I'm not getting it quite right. I'm paraphrasing myself. Can you do that? Does that make sense? Can you quote yourself, paraphrase yourself? I like to say, don't just give information, but work to bring about a transformation. Whenever you're giving a presentation, it shouldn't just be giving information, but it should be about bringing about a transformation. So that is a really fantastic guess and right in line with what I believe. The T normally stands for truth. Today, 
it can stand for trans, it can stand for, it can stand for transformation just because you guess transformation. But ordinarily, I like for it to stand for truth. And that's just being straightforward, being honest. Don't try to flim flam people. Don't try to pull a fast one on people. Just being honest and right there in line with that integrity piece. But we're going to add, you know what? We want people to communicate with grit. <laughs> So we want you to communicate with truth and with transformation. There we have it. All right, Bridget. Thank you for that. Really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Bridget, what are some tips that you would give to professionals? Any job, any any type of person that's in the workforce, what tips would you give to professionals? Ooh, how much time do we have? I'm glad you blocked off 90 minutes for this, Hector, because I, <laughs> I have so many tips for the professional, no matter your industry. So the first one I have for you is always show up and show out. Now, this is what I mean. When I say show up, I mean don't just be physically present, but be mentally and emotionally present. So everything about you demonstrates for everyone around you that you know you are somebody and that they had better recognize you are indeed somebody. So that's when you show up where you are not just there filling space but your head is up and your shoulders are back and your eyes are laser focused. And every single time someone comes to you in need of something, you're ready. You have an answer. You are positive. You're on top of things. Now to show out means to focus on your performance when you are physically and mentally present. That means I want you to perform to behave, to interact with others in a way that is extraordinary. It's uncharacteristically impressive. You are quote unquote on at all the right times, which makes you unforgettable. You know how to blend in when you need to, and you know how to uplift others while simultaneously standing out yourself. That is my first tip or strategy or recommendation habit that I believe all professionals need to have. Show up and show out. Then I want you, this is my second one, my last one for now. I want you to pay attention to four particular things as you're showing up and showing out. And those four things are how you look, how you sound, what you say, and how you say them. I'll say that once more, how you look, how you sound, what you say, and how you say them. Because it's not just about being there and being on and being present, but it is paying attention to your image and your nonverbal communication. So when you step into a room, you don't have to say a word in order to make other people say, wow, look at that. So that is the paying attention to how you look piece. 
Now, when it comes to paying attention to how you sound, what I want you to do is be very, very aware of the quality of your voice regarding pitch, tone, speed, and other key factors, and then put in place habits that the most confident people use to produce a sound that won't back down anytime that you speak. It's about finding your ideal speaking voice so that you sound as if you are the confident person that you truly are. You show up with a voice that says, I've got this. Next, what you say. We, we already know that it's not what you say, it's how you say it, but first you've got to know the what before you can worry about the how. So I want you to focus on your words impact on others, as well as your words impact on your image. So yes, it is, it, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. But first I want you to focus on exactly what you say and the full packaging of your message. And then the last one, how you say it. Yes, this is the one that mom always told us. It's about how you say it, how you make people feel. They'll, they'll forget what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. I want you to examine and improve the entire packaging of your messaging so you abandon the fizzle and you always bring the sizzle. So show up and show out all the time. That's number one. And then number two, pay attention to how you look, how you sound, what you say, and how you say it. Interesting that you say that, Bridget. Let me ask you a question because I talk to my wife a certain way. I talk to my own children a certain way. I talk to my mother a certain way, my dad a certain way. I talk to myself a certain way, right? There's nothing wrong with communicating with yourself. As long as you don't answer yourself back. Now, if you start mm -hmm, starting having a bunch of two, two, three, four, five, ten personalities, Hector, you're going to want to check on that. <laughs> you are too much. You are too much. Now, when it comes to being a professional, there is a certain way that you need to, like what you said, dress and compose yourself and the way you speak. Is that not true? Absolutely. Sometimes people call it code switching because that, that's the first thing that came to mind when you said, no, I talked to my wife a certain way, my parents, so on and so forth, myself. Absolutely. And it's, it's all about how you want to be regarded and how well you want your message to, to be received and increasing the likelihood that people will be receptive to your message because, you know, of course, I don't talk to our elementary age son the way that I'm talking to you, a grown man who's my peer right now. And if I want my right, right and if I want my husband, oh, hey, let's talk about this for a quick second since we, we have this significant other thing uh, going on here or we're bringing up spouses. Think about this too, Hector. Although you talk to your wife differently than you talk to your mom or your dad, even with that, you're going to talk to your wife a different way, depending on what you need from her. 
because that's what I was getting ready to say about my husband. If I really, really need him to do something that I know he's going to dread doing, I'm going to put on the sweetest, most charming, and I don't know how charming my voice can sound being from Texas and so country, but <laughs> I am going to sound so sweet and so kind and so gentle and so soft with him. Oh, Aaron, my dear, can you please help me out with something, right? And then if I am upset about something, then that tone, that tempo, that tenor goes in a totally different direction. If I'm talking to, I don't know, a, 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 a peer, well, not even a peer, but let's say I'm trying to close a deal. Well, that is a totally different conversation. So yes, to answer your question, do you pay close attention depending on the audience, depending on the situation, depending on what you're wanting to accomplish? And does it change the way you show up verbally and non-verbally? You bet. So what, you're, what I'm hearing you say is that, yes, in order to be a professional, in order to stand at your job, and still be a professional, there may be some aspects of yourself that you're going to have to leave at home. And yes, you may have to be just a little bit less authentic when you show up because you don't want people to see the quote unquote real you. Now, less authentic definitely got my attention and I'll bet it got listeners attention. So I wonder if it's about being less authentic or if it is about paying attention to who's in front of you and giving them what they need in order for you to get what you need. Interesting. So I go back, go ahead, Hector. That's very interesting. So what you're saying is you have to be very mindful as to who you are talking to. Yes, for a number of reasons. The first one that comes to mind for me is everybody has a different communication preference. There are going to be some people who are connectors. They want you to ask about their family, their life, what's going on. They don't want to just dive right into business. They don't want to roll out the spreadsheets and look at the data. They don't want to show up to a, a board meeting and we're just cutting to the chase. But then you will have those type who want to cut to the chase. They don't want to sit here and go through the pleasantries and how was your weekend and how were your holidays? They just want to, hey, let's get down to business. We've got some audacious goals for Q1 and we've got work to do. And then you will have others where they have a lot of questions that they want answered in order to get going. Well, what are the goals? Well, how do we do Q4? Well, what's the plan? Well, what's my role in it? How am I involved with this? So they're going to ask a lot of questions. And then you will have a fourth communication preference. And of course, let me be very clear. There are tons of communication preferences and theories out there. I'm limiting it to four for the purpose of our conversation here. Then you will have a fourth type of communicator who likes energy. They're not interested in stats. They're not interested in, in charts and diagrams. And they're not interested in pleasantries and how's your 
cat that you rescued and how was your ski trip? They want energy. They're thinking lights, camera, action, bring it. So depending on who is in front of you, you really have to think about, well, which, which one do I give them? Figure out what energy is in front of you and then you work to reciprocate because then that helps you get what you want while giving them what they want. So it's not about being inauthentic as much as it is being respectful of others, communicating with grit, <laughs> as much as it is being respectful of how people like to engage. And then again, you engaging in a way that is going to achieve your goals. Right. And just for clarification, I did say less authentic. I didn't say yes. inauthentic. So again, yes. it goes back to who's in front of you. What do, not necessarily what do they want to hear, but what, you know, what do they need? What do you need? And communicate and show up in a way that both needs can be met and, and still be the utmost professional you can be, correct? Correct. And thank you for providing that point of clarification, because you are absolutely right. You did not say, say inauthentic. You most certainly said less authentic. Excellent. And let's move to the number one fear in America, and that is the fear of public speaking. Now, at one point, people may be asked to speak in front of their colleagues, in front of their families, in a toast. Uh, a bunch of people may be looking at you and, and looking at, you know, you may be asked to do a speech at your birthday party, right? What tips can you give to people that may be fearful of public speaking uh, to just be confident with themselves and just say what needs to be said if they're put on the spot or if they have a presentation coming up? So a couple of things here, when it comes to being put on the spot, if you are an introvert, you dread that. And sometimes people will <laughs> mistake a I won't say talkative person, but somebody who tends to be a little bit more effervescent, a little bit more, I don't know, energetic, they oftentimes will assume that person is an introvert. And so that that person just stays ready with a, a, a speech, a spiel, a wonderful litany of quotes or something that they can rattle off. Not necessarily. You can have someone who is an introvert but who is still bubbly and all of that good stuff. So if you are an introvert, you're the type of person where you, you need to know what are the questions beforehand? How much time do I get? How many people are there going to be? Is there a lapel microphone or will I have a handheld microphone? I mean, you need to know everything possible because you want to put your best foot forward. But like you said, what if you're put on the spot? So because we all know introverts or extroverts, we all know that is a possibility for extroverts. It's incredibly important that you already have some things prepared. So create for yourself a couple of acronyms, even take one of mine, GRIT, right? And somehow twist it so that it can work no matter the situation that you're put in front of to speak upon. So talking about generosity, respect, integrity, and truth, 
could work with almost any crowd, couldn't it? And you could just kind of spin it, right? So that is my one tip for being put in an impromptu situation and having to speak. I already have a couple of little acronyms of three or four things that you believe in, create an ABCs of something that you can just quickly riff off of the top of your head. Also, if you don't have the time to come up with an acronym, and again, feel free to steal mine, and I'm going to give you a couple of more acronyms that you can steal that I think can work in almost any situation. But if you don't have the time for that, or you're thinking to yourself, Bridget, I can't remember that, G-R-I-T. I mean, one minute you said T stood for truth. Another minute it stood for transformation. I don't know. Heck, just make it up on the spot, okay? Nobody will ever know unless you tell them you made it up on the spot. But here's my next thing. If you don't have the time, then just start off by saying, well, first off, blah, 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 blah. And second off, yada, yada, yada. So preface your little speech with, I have a couple of things to tell you. So the first one is, and using that ordinal, using those ordinal words like first, next, third, that helps your audience listen. And then it also kind of gives you a little bit of a crutch and you can kind of count off on your fingers or something to that effect. Now I'm going to give you a couple of more acronyms and then I'm going to move on to prepared presentations and some quick tips there. Here's another acronym that I like, and that's power. I like to tell people to put power into their communication. So P stands for positive, open-minded. Uh, and look at that. I already forgot what the W stands for. Worthwhile. <laughs> Worthwhile, energetic, and relevant. So positive, always thinking in positive terms, open-minded, make sure that it's open to other views. W is worthwhile. Is this something people want to hear? Energetic, don't sound like the Charlie Brown teacher when you talk. And then relevant, does it fit with the current situation? So I like using power. And then another one I like to use is think. Think before you speak. Is what you're about to say thoughtful, helpful, important, inclusive, necessary, and kind. Since around 2020, 2021, I added that extra I. It used to just be thoughtful, helpful, important, necessary, kind, but now think is spelled T-H-I-I-N-K, and we added that inclusive piece. So you can use either one of those and just kind of mix it up or use your own, but just come up with a quick little acronym or and ABCs of something and have that ready. Now, when it comes to presentations, I cannot say this enough, Hector. Practice, practice, practice. And I'm not talking about the mental running through your presentation in your head. I am talking about standing up, acting like the audience right there and giving that presentation full on if it is showtime. And I want you to practice aloud. Don't mouth the words. Don't just kind of think about it as you're driving into work. Don't kind of flip through slack in your head, but full out practice presentation. Because I'm going to tell you something, Hector. People get nervous a lot of times when it comes to making presentations because they have not heard the word before. That's what makes it scary. 
they it sounds it's like really Bridget are you serious yes because you you are scared of what's going to come out of your mouth because you haven't heard it come out of your mouth yet so once you hear the words come out of your mouth oh that practice makes all the difference in the world and don't just practice when it's time for a presentation but make everything you say a presentation I don't care if you're at the bank at the grocery store talking to a teller if you're at the post office shipping a package every single sentence that comes out of your mouth i want it to sound like it is the most important words you'll ever say and that you're saying them to the most important person on the planet make that person in front of you feel like he or she is on top of the world and that he is the only person that matters right now that she is the most significant human being in this moment and when you work on sounding confident every time you speak when it comes to making a presentation pssst, this is what you do okay it reminds me of uh president barack obama just nonchalantly throwing a basketball across the basketball court and it it went in it went in the basket i can't remember when this was but i remember seeing the footage and someone and someone caught it on video and of course they're amazed and he says something to the effect of that's just what i do right he had this gravitas but that's just what i do and so when you when you speak with confidence all the time when you get on a stage that that's going to be your attitude that's just what i do <laughs> so there you have it those are my my tips for the impromptu moments and then also the planned presentations You are so right. I actually read that in a book and now I'm struggling to find out uh, where it was, but it literally kind of just said, speak to everyone as if they are the main point of your life, that God put that person in front of you and your, your words and your focus and your attention is all on them. And as if they were the very point of being in your life. Now imagine that everybody treated each other that way. And I thought that they, they, those were just so powerful words. I have to go back now and see what exactly the book was, but I, but I remember reading it and I was like, that is so true. I should really start talking to everyone as if they were the very point and meaning of my life at that moment. So powerful idea, powerful words. Thank you, Bridget. And yes, on the rehearsing, I mean, I really took Toastmasters for granted one day or one week when I said, yeah, I'll sign up to speak next week. The entire week goes by and I didn't do anything. I didn't rehearse or anything. I thought, hey, I have this. This is my third year speaking at Toastmasters. I got this. So an hour before the meeting, I was like, you know what? Let me put together. Let me rehearse. If I can get these five minutes down, I'm good. I go up there and after my salutations, I said, Okay, have you ever been at a business meeting and and I got stuck and I stopped and I'm like, oh no, I don't have this speech down. It is not, it is not outlined, it's not anything. So I had to take the next 30 minutes to put this speech together, took the next 15 minutes to memorize it. And in the car, I was like almost a little bit stressed out in the car, driving to my meeting. I was practicing in the car, not a situation you want to be in before a presentation. 
Um, and I want to, go ahead. I, I, want, I want to add on to something very quickly, Hector, because you made me think about time. Time is a precious commodity. And I know I said, hey, practice, 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 do the full speech all the way through. You may say to me, Bridget, I have a full day workshop. It is from nine to 12 and then from one to four. That is six hours. I don't have that kind of time. And here's what you do. You said something, Hector. I can't remember exactly what it was that sparked this in me. But what I want you to do is at a minimum, prepare, 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 practice, 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 the opening and the closing. If nothing else, make sure that opening sets them on fire and sets them up for success so they can know what to expect. And then make sure that closing makes it very clear what the next steps are, what's the call to action, what should they have learned, what do they need to go forth and do. And in terms of the book, Hector, we'll just say it was one of my books that had that in it that you read. It was just one of mine, everybody. Just go look, Bridget McGowan. Check me out on Amazon. Just do a search for one of my books. I'm sure it was one of those. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Bridget, what is your opinion on the use of PowerPoint when giving a presentation? Ooh. Now, I know for some people, having a deck is a must. And I will not knock that at all. Because I have been there where I just needed that deck in order to make sure I stayed on track, that I remembered everything. And yes, that's nice to have my notes. I would always have my notes right there in print form, but I just like to have a PowerPoint deck. And part of it is the teacher in me too, Hector, because I understand that I will have in any audience, I'm going to have a visual learner, an auditory learner, a read-write learner, and a kinesthetic learner. I'm going to have people who need that PowerPoint deck in order to fully grasp what I'm saying. So I get the need to have a, a PowerPoint deck, but I want you to start getting comfortable with not using one, if at all possible. A PowerPoint deck is not always necessary. And if you're going to use one, I need it to be a slick deck too. I need you to have high quality graphics. I need you to minimize the number of words on the screen. I need you to not read your PowerPoint slides to the audience. If I am in an audience and you are reading your PowerPoint slides to me, I think I might stand up and scream. Don't do it. So if you are one of those people that just absolutely loves to have a deck and I'm one of those people, then make sure that it's a gorgeous deck and then work on getting so comfortable with your content until it's okay if you don't have a deck. But I know for me, it's a full package. It's not just me, but it's, it's those images. It's this wow factor that I might put in the deck. It's not just me giving you information, but I want to create some kind of an excitement. And then here's my final point when it comes to decks, PowerPoint decks or slide decks, Hector, I need everyone to remember this. There is absolutely nothing in a slide deck that is more engaging, more exciting, or more electric. Those are my three E's, exciting, engaging, electric. Nothing in that deck more exciting, engaging, or electric than you. They came to see you. They came to hear you. They came to know you and know your knowledge. 
give them what they came to get. So throughout my upbringing and into my adulthood, I had never heard the word deck until I was researching what venture capitalists are. And venture capitalists, for those who do not know, are people who have the funds to back startups. And what people who, back, who start these startup companies, what they do is they build a, a deck, right? And it's also known as a PowerPoint presentation, but deck is the only time I've ever seen it used in that space. But how you're using it is just a word to replace PowerPoint presentation. Is, is deck now the word to use for PowerPoint presentations? Oh, Hector, you have like blazing hot questions. So here we go. PowerPoint is the brand name, right? So, you know, I have a Cadillac, I have a car. And deck is that generic name. I have a PowerPoint, I have a deck, okay? Because a deck could be a PowerPoint, it could be, what is the, what is the software Apple has? I well, have it on my- Keynote, iPad. so it's Keynote. Yes, Okay. yes, right? So it's a Keynote presentation and it's not a quote unquote Keynote presentation that we're used to in terms of, let's say you've got Brian Tracy or Lisa Nichols on the stage, right? No, not that. Keynote, capital K, is the brand name, if you will, of that presentation software. But the actual package, that actual file, is considered a slide deck, whether it's a Microsoft PowerPoint slide deck or a Keynote, an Apple Keynote slide deck. So yeah, that is a fantastic question because I'll bet there are a lot of people out there who have who are wondering that, okay, wait a minute. So is the word deck is like fancy and sexy for the 21st century and we don't call them PowerPoints anymore? No, it's just deck because, and, and I'm sure there are other platforms out there too. Oh, there was one, Prezi. Prezi, I don't know if it's still around. P-R-E-Z-I. It was a nonlinear. It, it, it provided you with a nonlinear method for giving presentations. We've all been there, Hector, where we're doing our presentation and all of a sudden some great question comes up, some great comment comes up, and you're thinking, geez Louise, that's five slides down. Well, Prezi signed in a way where you can seamlessly get to that slide that's five slides down, as opposed to using Keynote or using PowerPoint where you're having to you know, advance the slides and it's not as slick and so on. Great, great question. Does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. I learned something new. So deck is the umbrella term and under deck is or deck slide is PowerPoint presentation, Google Slides, Keynote, Apple's Keynote program. Very interesting. So it almost sounds like at one point, Microsoft had a hold on deck. It was to know to everybody a PowerPoint yes. presentation. I remember being yes. in college and the professors would say, okay, everybody, you guys are going to do a PowerPoint on this. That's your yes. group project. And I was like, okay, that's what it's called. Right. Even now you have, you know, it sounds like the reverse of internet search. People don't say go on the internet and search this up. People say, Hey, right. Google this. So that's the reverse. Yeah. 
instead of using the actual term, you're actually using a company's term, but in PowerPoint, it seems as if it went the opposite way. You're not no longer using the company's term. You're actually going to use the, the umbrella term, which is deck. Very interesting. There you go. Grant Cardone is very famous for businesses and startups. And he wrote his own book on how to close, how to close deals. Bridget, how, what advice would you give to people on, on closing deals? Ooh, it is so interesting that you pose that question to me. I just submitted some information to a conference that I'm presenting at in August of 2022 out in Atlanta, and it detailed information about closing deals. And I am sitting here trying to think of something captivating and interesting and exciting that we have not heard before. Here's one thing. When it comes to closing deals, I want you to ensure that you're always focusing on service and the benefits that you're going to bring this client. I want you to focus less on features because people don't buy features. They're going to buy benefits. How is this going to save me money? How is this going to make me money? How is this going to improve the bottom line? I want you to find some kind of way to put yourself in the shoes of that prospect and make sure you've covered all bases, you've covered all objections, and that you are truly looking at closing a deal, not so much as closing a deal, but as I am about to provide a much needed service. I am about to make this company's customers so much happier. I'm about to improve their bottom line. I'm about to increase revenue. I want you to come at it from a service perspective when it comes to closing deals and not so much from a, hmm, I don't know, a, a, a salesy perspective, I guess. I don't feel like that was a fantastic answer, but I'm going to let that sit and marinate for a minute. But I, I just believe very strongly in that perspective. I want you to use the word you or the words your or your team as much as possible. I want you to, when you're closing, because I, I still want you thinking in terms of service. I want you to use sensory type words, things like, let me show you, Let me, I need you to see the difference. I need you to hear the difference. I need you to understand how our software touches every deal in your roster, things of that nature. I want you to use words like because, for example, imagine you want them thinking and, and future pacing and getting themselves to the point of imagining what life would be like working with you or having this service. So I really want you to paint a, a picture of the future for them too. It's, it's just really about this conversation, being consultative, not selling them again on features. What can you do? But selling them on the benefits. What will they be able to do as a result of working with you? Okay, done. <laughs> and something else that I was thinking about as you were talking is when I was reading Grant Cardone's book, one thing that really popped out at me and I remembered it as you were speaking is to remember to smile. And he says that successful people are not, let me see if I can get this right. Successful people 
are are not smiling because they're successful. They're successful because they smile. And like all of a sudden, I always go to like Kevin Hart or even the preacher, Joel Olstein, who always seems to be smiling. And yeah, there's a connection there. Try to smile more <laughs> often when when you're dealing with or when you're at work or when you're trying to close, et cetera. I'm telling you, smile when you talk, smile when you're on the phone, smile when you're on a webinar, smile when you're you're on an audio only recording, smile when you're out and about. It's contagious. It not only makes you sound more pleasant, but it gives you an air of confidence and people can quote unquote, hear a smile on the phone. You can hear me smiling now, right now. You can hear me smiling. And a smile is synonymous with friendliness and it makes you look approachable and composed. And besides, it looks far better than a frown. And you know, I have an acronym coming your way, Hector S. People who smile give a sense of strength and certainty. M, when you smile, people want to be around you because there's just something magical about you. I, it's infectious. Let's be honest. When we weren't wearing masks and when we get back to not wearing masks, it is nearly impossible to pass someone who's smiling and you don't also smile yourself if you make eye contact with them. It is infectious. L, when you smile, you demonstrate to the world that you are loved, that you have a circle of family, friends, community, network, colleagues, whomever that love you like crazy. And then E, Smiles give you a positive energy and they make you look like you are totally empowered. So S-M-I-L-E, do it, do it, do it. And all of these acronyms, or at least most of them, are also in one of my books, Show Up and Show Out. So grab that. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you so much. And thank you once again for coming on to my podcast. Bridget, tell us about what you do, how people can find you, definitely on LinkedIn. Tell us about your books. Tell us everything. Oh, I am going to make it so easy for everybody. First off, Hector, I really appreciate you having this podcast because it's so much more than a podcast about professionalism and learning how to be the best version of yourself in the workplace. But it's just about life, just showing up and being a rock star in life. So thank you for having this podcast and then allowing me to be a guest on it. To get in contact with me, Like Hector said, yes, you can find me on LinkedIn. The name is Bridget McGowan, but the easiest way is to visit connectwithb.com. Common spelling of connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T with B, B as in Bridget, dot com. And there you'll have all of my social media links, links to all of my books, links to my own podcast. I forget sometimes that I even have a podcast. Links to everything and an opportunity to sign up for my email list as well. If you want to stay in touch and get all kinds of speaker strategies and just how to show up and show out and be the most confident person in the room. So that's connectwithb.com. Visit, sign up for my email list and stay in touch. Thank you, Bridget. The title of this episode is Professionalism, How to Show Up and Show Out with Bridget McGowan. And that will do it for this episode of the Life Teacher Podcast. Thank you for listening.